Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today, my guest is Stacy Snyder, CEO of Sister. Snyder has run major movie studios and a well-heeled independent production company over her long career in Hollywood. Now, for the first time, she's working for herself as a partner with Elizabeth Murdoch and producer Jane Featherstone in Sister, the executive who has steered Universal Pictures, DreamWorks, and 20th Century Fox, is now attempting to build a new kind of film and TV mousetrap. Sister has the luxury of resources to finance its own development and the luxury of leaders with strong track records. Snyder details the story of how she connected with her partners and why the company's guiding principle is to, quote, curate excellence. Snyder has never been shy about sharing her opinion on industry issues, and our conversation touches on her thoughts about what defines a movie these days. Snyder is also candid about how she spent time doing a, quote, personal survey, end quote, after leaving Fox in 2019, in order to figure out where her passion for content should take her next. Listen all the way to the end to find out what recent biography of a movie director inspired Snyder to take a deep dive into 1970s movies. It's all coming up on today's Strictly Business after the break. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Stacey Snyder. CEO of Sister. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Cynthia. It's great to be with you. Well, Stacey, you have had a long and very successful career in the content business, primarily in the movie business. You have been at the, at the height of major studios, Universal and 20th Century Fox. 
you have been in the trenches as a producer, you ran DreamWorks for a very long time. In October of 2019, you joined forces with Elizabeth Murdoch and producer Jane Featherstone to create Sister. Tell us about what, how that all came together and what you did with all of your experience, given the chance to start a company kind of from scratch and build it your way. Tell us what you did from all your experience to build the company that you wanted to lead. Um, well, following um, my time, you know, 25 plus years as a studio executive, um, and all during that time, I had been the beneficiary of a lot of advice from a lot of successful um, Hollywood uh, studio executives, moguls, etc. And um, one of them, Barry Diller, had famously talked about his time after this leaving the same company, Fox, where he spent months and months just surveying the marketplace and the landscape and thinking about where he'd be excited to, to, to plug in again. And um, I actually went to see Barry after my time at Fox, full of, of ideas and very specific ideas. And he, again, reminded me to take the time to, to do a personal survey and a, and a landscape survey. And I did that. And um, I, I looked at myself almost as if I was a sociological experiment, <laughs> considering what this species, Stacy Snyder, felt passionate by. And in that time, um, I just observed my own behavior. And I thought about, you know, reaffirming, you know, my love for movies. I watched a ton of classic films, which I always do. And it was nice to know that this art form that I had dedicated myself to still meant so much to me. I binged on a lot of TV. I read a ton of books and I, um, I kept company by listening to podcasts, you know, which was a brand new experience for me. But I found that the intimacy of the medium made me feel comforted and, and distracted in the best way. And that time of just personal surveying made me realize that stories come from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that I had been in a system that had by design become increasingly siloed while the consumer and our customer was doing the same thing I was doing. They were listening to podcasts and reading books and, and spending time on the internet and watching, you know, TV shows, sometimes linearly, sometimes weekly, sometimes all in one night. Right. And, um, and I just wanted to break through and be able to be um, producing enduring content with, with great talent, regardless of the format. What was it that brought you together with Elizabeth and Jane? And again, if you could expand a little bit about how you built Sister and why you put it together in the way that you have. But first, tell us how you, how you connected with Elizabeth and Jane. 
Um, well, Elizabeth, I knew from my time at Fox, um, Elizabeth um, is the primary investor in an animation company called Locksmith Animation. And right. Fox Studios was, was making their first movie, um, Ron's Gone Wrong, which is now coming out through Disney um, as a result of the, the Disney um, acquisition of 20th Century Fox. So Liz and I had known each other in that capacity and um, just as friends and, and associates, I'm sure I expressed, I remember expressing um, my belief that the way to win in this moment was to create the absolute very best dial moving um, shows and, and, and films and to be nimble. And there's nothing nimble. There's there's lots of great things about big companies in terms of, of market share and swagger, um, but they tend not to be nimble. And all of the restructuring and, and sledgehammering mm -hmm. that one needed to do was not interesting to me. And 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 um and Liz was game to think about building a studio in a modern way. At the same time, Liz had been um, in business with as a partner to Jane Featherstone for years, first at Shine, then at Kudos, then at Sister Pictures London. Right, a long track record there. So they had had a long tracker. Tra she is, Jane has an amazing track re record and they had a long history working together. Um, and so, Liz was the architect of all of this. She put Jane and I together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what was clear is that our passion synced up and our values and our ethos. And that was essential for the formation of sisters that we saw the world the same way. And, um, and we did, you know, Jane's product, you know, her, her shows are just, um, they speak for themselves. She produced Chernobyl. Chernobyl is just, yeah. just one of the most mind-blowing, you know, movies, TV shows, pieces of content that I have seen in a decade. It, it, Ever. it was just stuck with me so much. I felt the same way. And before that, she did Broadchurch. She did um, Spook. She did Flowers. She just has impeccable taste. She's got an incredible instinct for um, powerful stories that break through. And she takes big swings and big chances um, with, with talent. She, she um, nurtures writers and directors that have something to say. Mm -hmm. And so, so you put some existing assets together. Did Elizabeth contribute some assets and Jane contribute something? So, so, so Jane and Elizabeth contributed Sister Pictures. It's upon the foundation of Sister Pictures that Sister with a capital S um, was founded. So right. we, were, uh, we were fortunate to have, um, you know, a functioning, um, really capable, ex uh, exciting group of producers in London that had an ongoing pipeline of excellent shows, relationships in the UK and also in Hollywood. So that when we decided to, to 
open an LA office and then later an office in Manchester, we were building upon um, a foundation of excellence. Uh, and we, we, we um, you know, we're, we're fully integrated as a company, um, but Jane and Liz provided that foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, LA offices in LA, London, and Manchester, to me, is just very telling about the global nature of the content business and the need, I would imagine, that having feet on the ground in Manchester is terrific because you're looking, you're probably finding creativity and emerging stars and just a whole pulse of what's going on in that culture that you wouldn't get if you're not, if, you know, from being in New York or LA or London. So I would imagine, but is there, um, what is the, um, what's the connection to Manchester? Why did you choose Manchester as an office location? The connection to Manchester was opportunistic. One of our incredible uh, producers, Lucy Dyke, um, uh, is from there and was able to um, produce there and made an argument that there was talent on the ground that that, that she could source from there. Um, but it again, going back to the value of being nimble and flexible, we're able to have uh, an idea about where we might base ourselves and pursue it. And, and being in, in the UK gives us access, not just obviously to, to other parts of, of the UK, but to Europe in general. And what we're seeing now is that, you know, back in the day, whereas you might have um, sub redone were subtitled, I mean, redone, sorry, a uh, an international show for the, the American market. Now, um, Amazon and Netflix and all the platforms are making hits out of international shows. You know, we all watch Lupin. We all watched. Fauda. Fauda. Um, exactly. And so having the cred as, an, as a genuine international company enables us to reach beyond just the UK and the States into Europe and Israel and South America and other places where great, where we can find great creators. And if I'm not, mis if I'm not mistaken, having that UK base, especially for your television content, and I'm not sure if it's true for movies as well, that there's huge copyright advantages, if I'm not mistaken, being based in the UK you are able to, by law, something that is not definitely not the case in the U.S., but by law, there are very strict rules in the U.K. about who owns the copyright, who owns the, the digital sprockets, if they were. And is that, I mean, is that another reason that, that uh, other than the obvious with Jane and Elizabeth, that also kind of keeps you tethered in London? It certainly it certainly was was an advantage in enabling, you know, sister pictures to flourish. and. Um, because there are those copyright laws that permit um, that permit ownership, the advantage to sister pictures for having an LA presence is that more and more of the deals these days are becoming global. Right. So we're able to, um, you know, to fish where the fish are when there are shows that make sense that are right. UK based and that can get a um, uh, a commission first from Sky or the BBC that enables and permits us to own more rights. That's wonderful. But if if there are moments and situations where um, a global deal with HBO or or Netflix or Amazon makes sense, we're situated um, to do that as well. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Let's drill down a little bit more. Tell us how you are set up for that nimbleness and the ability to move between content genres. How, how does it work? How does development work for you guys? Well, interestingly, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, we had a we had a early morning staff meeting, which is another one of the things that's changed in my life is that, you know, my wake up time is their dinner time. (laughs) And so um, my staff meetings are earlier and and I've become a morning person. But during this, the the pandemic, during the lockdown, um, what happened in a great way is that we're sharing um, ideas and strategies with one another on Zoom like this much more easily and regularly than I think we would have if we had been trying to integrate in real time and in real life. Um, But um, Jane is the chief creative officer of the company. Um, We're making TV TV shows and films. You've got Um, quite a broad slate. We've got a broad slate um, in London and L.A. And, um, you know, what I like to think is that when they're sleeping, we're working. And when, you know, when they're sleep, when we're working, they're sleeping. And you make the most of your 24 hour cycle. <laughs> we make the most of the 24 hour cycle. And um, and we're small enough and we're also all experienced enough to know when tapping into the um to the mind trust brain trust is critical and important and when we can just run run with something but jane knows everything um that that is being developed creatively and when she's busy with other stuff the la office under kate fenske's guidance and my guidance is you know fully equipped to keep the projects moving forward mm-hmm. and can you talk a bit about how if I understand you right, if, when something comes in the door, do you sort of evaluate it as an idea? Do you do you sort of instinctively think, oh, this is a movie, this is a TV show, or do you try to leave it a little vague and let the idea develop? How do you how do you move that nimbleness through the development process that can be so rigid? You know, we we really want to be a place that that talent feels seen and heard and nurtured. And so often, and it it comes from, that decision will come directly from the the creator. And sometimes it does change. You know, we we like to say that we're platform agnostic, you know, we're, we're developing, you know, films and TVs. And if it's meant to be a spoken word poem or, or, or a podcast first, and then you know a documentary, and then a show. We want to be fluid in in all of those mediums. Taffy Brodesser Anker came to us with an idea that she was sure was a a series, and after a couple of meetings, she called back and said, "No, I think this is a movie." And then she called back again and said, "You know, I think it's a series of movies." And I said, Taff, I don't really care. You know, if we're going to do a series of movies, the first one better be really successful. I will, I will give <laughs> right. you that. I will give you that experienced guidance and advice. That's the first ingredient in That's a series. That's the first <laughs> ingredient. But um, you know, I, whatever the best form for your story is, that's what it should be. And a lot of 
that openness was born out of my frustrations from being a lifelong studio executive where I'd come upon a great book or a great article that in my heart I knew might be a better TV series, but there was no incentive or access for us to, you know, to cross the Rubicon and do it in, in, in tandem with our TV colleagues. Right. And, and I'm probably a lot of certain, you know, red tape hurdles to even if even if you wanted to work with a particular writer that might be under contract to a TV division. Totally. I mean, I've been in situations where I've had bosses say to me, you know, when I wanted to work with a, um, let's say a writer who was under contract at a, a sister TV studio, why would we spend money on that when they're, when they're locked up at the, at the TV studio? And my attitude was, you know, we should create a kind of web of, of love around really, really talented people. And when they have moment breaks or ideas that don't fit their main, um, you know, their main occupation, they'll come to us. So that's what we've tried to create at Sister. Hold on tight, folks. We'll be right back with more from Sister CEO Stacy Snyder. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. And we're back with more from sister CEO, Stacy Snyder. Would you say that in your experience so far in this, in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in your time at sister, do people come in the door, do creatives come in the door with a strong sense of this should be a podcast, this should be a limited series, or is there <clears throat> a true process of discovery as the idea as, you know, scripts are honed and ideas are formulated? I guess you got to formulate the ideas before you hone the scripts. Every, each case is different and, and each cake, each case is bespoke. There are certain projects, you know, like the Bee Gees film that, that, that come in the door and you know that this is meant to be a film and it, it will 
benefit by being a film because it's it's inherently theatrical. There's great music and great dance, and it's a global story. And so you, you just sort of know this. And then there are some stories like the the example I gave with Taffy, where it, you know, the, the we find its best form. Mm-hmm. What's been exciting to me is to see how the other companies that Sister has invested in have helped us in that process. So for example, we're working with um, Tobias Lindholm on a limited series about the first responders uh, to 9-11, not the event itself, but what happened to the people um, and their lives following the event. And And Tobias needed some help with research and oral histories. And the podcast company that Sister has invested in Campside was perfectly situated with journalists on the ground in New York to provide that service for Tobias. So that that was really fun for me to see how the collective can help, you know, we can all help each other. Right. And your arms, you know, your relationships in one area can benefit in areas that you can't, you sometimes can't see on the surface, but then they, but then they come up. Um, I want, how are you, cause I understand that if I understand right, sister has both kind of pod like development deals and relationships with producers. And you also have a true investment arm where you are investing in, you know, cutting edge companies like campsite media, which has produced some terrific podcasts that I have that I have consumed. And uh, you're also in business with Spring Hill, with uh, Spring Hill Partners, the uh, LeBron James's company. Um, let me, I wanna talk to you about the investment arm, but I, going back to the development, um, how are you able to, it sounds like you have the resources to be able to option things, to develop things in-house with riders before you go out to, to shop them. I would imagine that's a pretty good advantage. You can, you can work with the property before you have to go out and, and sell it. That was, that was you know, part of the, the conversations that Liz Jane and I had at the founding of Sister um, uh, was, was cemented on our conviction that being independent was, you know, not just a luxury, but a real competitive advantage. Um, and be, so being able to not only decide internally what the best, um, format for a project would be film or television, but also what the best home would be um, is is also an advantage. And if possible to be able to, you know, skip to the head of the line because your project is already incubated and formed. So yes, you know, we're fiercely independent. We believe that independence is, is an asset to the creators because they have a place that where they're paid to incubate and develop their material. And then when it's ready and only when it's ready, we can go to and find a home that really understands their show. There's a lot of um, room for misunderstandings in the pitching process. And, you know, I think we, I've seen that firsthand and I'm sure that a lot of writers and directors who might be listening have seen that firsthand where you think you're pitching one thing and that executive has something entirely different in their minds. 
How has it, in your experience, with especially with the rise of streaming and and you know so many shows being bought straight to series, not going through the traditional pilot hell development process, um, how has that changed the nature of what you can develop and how you sell, and also the impact of with streamers? So much of your funding does come on the come on the front end. The studio, the producer, is not expected is not routinely expected to carry a deficit which you know, makes it a, a different economic prospect. As a baseline, um, being fit for purpose means not only that we have the financial resources to develop internally, but it also means that we have the experience to produce the shows that we've developed. So the sister team includes not only Liz and Jane and myself, but also my colleague, Kate Fenske, who was a producer at UCP, and Carolyn Strauss, who's a legend. Carolyn produced Chernobyl alongside Jane, was the president of HBO. For and has 20 plus years. Yeah. For 20 plus years and has com- commissioned, you know, every kind of defining HBO show of the last 20 some years from, you know, Sopranos to The Wire to Game of Thrones um, and on and on and on. You know, we are fit for purpose by having incredible producing, you know, talent within the company. Um, We've and because of that, we've been invited onto some of the projects that the streamers have where they need more producing experience. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been the beneficiary of some things that have come right over the transom in film and television, where the platforms have said, we can't, we don't have the bandwidth right now to get this going. Can you lend, you know, some time and resources and experience to get this done? So at Netflix, um, they very generously um, invited us onto a couple of their movies and uh, and then invited Jane onto one of their um television shows because we do have the production resources to bring to it. So in some situations we are um, paid up front and there's a premium. Mm -hmm. And in some situations we're provided studio economics because we're, we're, we're acting as the responsible studio to deliver the show under the terms required by the platforms. So Again, going back to this idea of of being nimble and letting the project determine what our um, role will be in it. We can be producers for hire. We can be the studio. We can we can generate material that we pay for and bring to market, and we can pinch hit on projects that the studios discover need more producing um, heft. You mentioned the movie business and Netflix movies. Obviously, there's a lot of cross currents in the traditional film world. And, you know, you have had such success. You grew up in the film world. What do you what do you think in terms of the debate about is a made for Netflix movie a movie per se? What do you think about the kind of what's what we're seeing as the expansion of the platform for movies Although there, within the community, there is some debate about what's a movie with a capital M. What, what do you think about that that discussion? I think there there are stories that that have beginning, middle, middles, and end, and um, and should be told in roughly two hours. 
and stories that deserve um, uh, or or require uh, a more leisurely and or or immersive time frame. And so that's that's I, I'm not a, I'm not a snob about what a movie is. Um, I just I think our whole team asks ourselves. Are we are we padding this to make three or four episodes? And, mm-hmm. and and really this story should just be grab you by the throat, entertain the shit out of you, and 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 exit stage left. Um, or is this story something that you want to immerse yourself in and spend six to eight hours unpacking? Is this a, you know, is this a story whose elements will benefit by a big screen? Or is this story something that feels cozier at home with a blanket and, you know, a glass of wine or a cup of tea? But the the, the bottom line for us entirely is, is curate for excellence. Because somehow even you know, look, there's so much challenge with discoverability and, and that, that's, that's a real issue. And, and in a world awash in content for sure. Yes. yes. Um, and also, you know, every platform has had a water cooler show. And so it's possible. And that's what we strive mm-hmm. for to be the one that people want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stacy, you mentioned earlier that you went um, you went while between gigs that you spent a lot of time watching old classic movies. Tell us one that stood out to you that really held up. Oh, my God. They they all speak to me all the time. So many of them. Um, OK, so, well, look, my 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 go to is always. Um, you know, films of the 40s, you know, I watch Best Years of Our Lives and I watch Sunset Boulevard over and over and I watch, I love old Western Stagecoach and um, Shane and, um, you know, I just, I, I just don't know how you participate in this business if you don't have a love for and, and knowledge about what came before. Um, but recently, what was super fun is um, I read Mark Harris's book uh, about Mike Nichols. Oh, yeah. And went back and watched all of Mike's films and then did a deep dive into the 70s. And oh, my God, it just made my heart full to watch, um, you know, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and, you know, uh, Harold and Maude again. Oh, my God, does that hold up? Boy, so, does it. Yeah, it's so great. So, um, you know, when I'm when I am in those modes where and I know we all feel that way, sometimes when you go to the home page of one of the platforms, sometimes something will pop up or you're in the right mode and it's an easy choice. And other times I find that I spent my whole viewing time scrolling. Through <laughs> and when that happens to me, it's a sign to me that I should get off the platform just temporarily. I'll go back 
and I go to Criterion and 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 I'll find something from the you know 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I lived the 80s and 90s. I don't need to go back, I don't need <laughs> to, go back to that. Right. Um uh but um and and I'll find something to just you know fall in love with again. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. Strictly Business.